Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I dove into last week a series called Jesus Image, and it's all about us looking like Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we're to be imitators of Christ. In other words, we're supposed to mimic Christ. To the, to the point where as we mimic him, almost, if you will, impersonate him, that you can't tell a difference. You know, you see these impersonators and you'll see them and, and it's be like, they're, they're supposed to be an impersonator of this character or, or this famous person. And it's like, you know, yeah, they're, uh, it's kind of close, but not really And then you come across these people that they look so much like the real person. You can't, you can hardly tell them a difference. And that's how it is with us. We don't want to just kind of look like him every once in a while or in a few areas of our life. We want to work towards showing his glory in every part of our life. And that goes for uh, every age group, every age group from children. Children can be a reflection of his glory. Young people, teenagers can be a reflection of his glory. My wife works in the public school system. Many of you guys do. And if we ever needed a time where people need to reflect the glory of God in the public school system is now. Young people, you've got so much ability to influence. Just, you know, you can actually do it passively. And I'm not saying that you just need to do it, but just live a good godly life that's different than the world's. And you will passively reflect the glory of God. We should look like Jesus. So in this series, today I want to talk in this message about like, so if you are supposed to look like Jesus, then you have to know what Jesus looked like. And one of the, you know, I could go around the room today and I could say, what comes to mind when you think of Jesus? What comes to mind when you think? And I mean, uh, you probably give me all kind of kind, compassionate, loving, you would get all of these. But as you look throughout the Gospels, as you look throughout Scripture, there's something that you see that's very paramount in Jesus' ministry. And you'll look and you might say, well, he was, he was a healer. He, he was a man of prayer. When you look at that, you look at Jesus and Jesus was a man of prayer. And some people have said that, Jesus, uh, that prayer is really no more than just simple conversation with God. It's just a conversation, an ongoing conversation with God. And I can't think of, an, of a simpler definition than that. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a relationship. And the problem is that so many people look at prayer as an event. You follow me? Y'all help me preach a little bit this morning, all right? The, the, the more you help me preach, the shorter I might be. The quieter you are, the longer I might be, you know? So everybody doesn't feel like you, though. (laughs) But the problem is, is that many times we do look at prayer as an event, 
Like, I have to go pray. Like, man, I'm telling you, you can pray right now. Y'all have heard me say before, like, um, they never took prayer out of school for me. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I was a believer through, throughout uh, most of my high school years and college years. They never took prayer out of school for me. I mean, I prayed over my math tests. All the math tests I prayed over, you know. Some of my English ones, you know, I had to pray over those. No, but I'm serious. It's a lifestyle of prayer. And, you know, I just want you to look at this, that imitators of Jesus know the importance of prayer. Like if you are an imitator of him, if you truly strive to be like Jesus, then you know the importance of prayer just by looking at his life. And you know that prayer wasn't an event for him. And I want you to look at this. Don't think of yourself as having a prayer life. Think of yourself as living a life of prayer. Because so many people are like, well, how's your prayer life doing? Like, how's your spiritual life doing? Listen, can I tell you, you don't have a spiritual life. We live in the spirit. We don't have a section of our life that's our spiritual life and a section of our life that's another life. Your whole life is spiritual. It's spiritually light or it's spiritually dark. You know, I speak Jesus in the darkness, you know. I speak Jesus in the light. I speak Jesus over every situation. So imitators of Jesus, if we're going to follow our creator, if we're going to follow the one who thought us up, the author and the finisher of our life, then we're going to be, we're created in his image. So if he's a person of prayer, what are we supposed to be? People of prayer. We're supposed to live a lifestyle of prayer. I don't know about you, and there's no way I can cover prayer in one message. So I'm going to cover caveats of it in this message. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but I was raised in, in a church, and I always felt inadequate when it came to prayer. Because I would hear these people pray like, man, they prayed for an hour. Some people would pray for three hours. And I'm like, you know, y'all might be in this room today, but I'm telling y'all, I ain't never prayed for three hours in my life. I'm not saying that. I know Erica's done it. (laughs) I know she has. I ain't even looking over there at her. But you know what? I was raised under this place where like, If you don't pray for a certain length of time, if you don't pray in a certain way, then you don't measure up or God's not pleased or you're not doing it enough. And there was one time in my life, I don't know when it came, but I got delivered from that, at least that part of the spirit of religion. And it just lifted off of me. And God's like, I just want to talk to you whenever I want to talk to you. And you can talk to me whenever you want to talk to me. And I went from understanding prayer as an event to prayer as a lifestyle. I'm telling you what, man, there are big conversations that I'm in. I'm like, I'm praying right now. I'm listening to the person and I'm praying right now because I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying, you know, for protection. I'm praying, you know, in, in whatever situation. I, I'll, I'll wake up at three in the morning and I'll pray for my kids. And I don't know when I stopped praying. I, it may have only lasted a minute, but I just remember I woke up and I, they were on my mind and I prayed over them right then. And so it's a lifestyle of prayer. And when we look Look at Jesus. I want us to look at just a few things at how Jesus prayed. He prayed often. The scripture says that he often withdrew 
and he went into the wilderness for a time of prayer. So he prayed often. Prayer is not one of those events that you have to make time for. And I get it. There is time that we make for prayer. There have been times where I've felt the unction of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the compelling of the Holy Spirit that, that said, I want you to find a place, pull over, and get in a posture of prayer that's not the posture that you're in right now. When God speaks to us like that, we should be obedient to that. But God doesn't speak to me like that all the time, and I don't, I don't always pray like that. But I pray often, and it's, sometimes it's a minute, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's here, there, and everywhere throughout the day. Another way Jesus prayed, he prayed for others. Like all throughout his uh, ministry, you see him praying for others. And he says, I, I, I pray that they will be one, just as the Father and I are one, that you're in me, Father, and I am in you. He prays for unity for us. He's, he's always praying for us. And listen to me, listen to me. This is getting a little ahead of myself. I'll, I'll share this scripture here in a minute. But he didn't, he, he's not, he didn't stop praying. He's still praying right now for you and me, interceding for you and me right now, situations that we go through. Um, he prayed for children. He pr prayed for believers. He prayed for non-believers, Believe it or not, you can pray for non-believers and miracles. Can, people who are not Christians can experience miracles. He prayed for others, but he also prayed alone. There were times where he knew I need to get alone and get by myself. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. He knew the value in getting alone with God. Uh, all the distractions, getting rid of the TV, getting rid of the cell phones, getting rid of, you know, uh, other people. And I'm just telling you, like this morning I was talking to our volunteers and I was talking about, you can tell a lot about people by the way they pray. This is not to be judgmental, it's just observatory. And, you know, there are times where I can pray with certain people certain ways, but I can't pray with those people in other ways because they can't handle that kind of prayer. Y'all get what I'm talking about? Like, they can't get praying in the Holy Ghost prayer. They are not there. They're, they're like, yeah, that freaks me out, and I don't even know if I believe in that, and it's like, that's fine. But there's a place of, of prayer that you can go where the scripture says, I ain't making this up, the scripture says it, that there is a place in prayer when the Holy Spirit will take over and we will pray with groanings that we can't understand. That's weird, man, but it's scripture. I don't know why God does it the way he does, but I'm not God and I can't tell him what to do and how to be. But we'll begin to pray in groanings and, and utterances that only God the Father, and, I, and I'm telling you what, it's a beautiful prayer because the enemy cannot decipher that kind of prayer. The enemy can hear an English prayer and begin to wage wars, but the enemy cannot understand prayer. When we get into this place of we are praying and we are groaning in the Holy Spirit, if you don't believe me, it's in the scripture. But when we begin to pray in that, the enemy's like, what? It just went dark. It just went covert. It just went stealth. I, I, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what, what they're saying. I can't understand this. How can I wage a weapon against something that I don't understand or I don't know what's going on? Come on. Is that not good? And so 
He prayed alone. He knew the value of praying alone, but he also prayed with others. And when he prayed with others, this is what he did. I don't know why this isn't working, but I need you to switch me to the next slide. This is what he did. He prayed with those people who were, uh, who were his closest friends. He prayed with people that he trusted. Like there are some people that I can pray in a certain way and I don't have to worry about being judged. People judge me all the time. People judge you. You judge me. I judge you. We judge each other. That's, just, that, you know, that's what we do. But the point being, there are people that I know I can say this and I'm not going to be judged. I know it's not going to leave this circle. Isn't it sad that sometimes we don't have the safety to pray with people? Come on, man. When somebody prays with you, they need to feel safe. Because, why, why? Why can't we just pray by ourselves? Because there is a scriptural principle in play, that one can put a thousand to flight, two exponentially can put 10,000 to flight. There is strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes says that two is better than one, three is better than two. The scripture says that a three stranded cord is not easily broken. Anybody with a little bit of common sense knows that the, the stronger the cord, the rope is, the more lines are, are uh, woven together. There is a power in praying with people. The scripture says where two or three are gathered in my name and they ask anything is what the scripture says, that it can be done for them. And so there's value in people being able to pray with one another. So Jesus prayed alone and he prayed with his closest friends. Jesus also demanded that the house of God be a house of prayer. Like, he didn't say that the house of God needs to be a house of worship. Now, we just did what I enjoyed the worship time this morning. I'm a worshiper. But he didn't say it should be a house of worship. He didn't say it should be a house of giving. He didn't say that it should be a house of serving and volunteers while all of that is true. He didn't say that it's supposed to be the house of dynamic preaching. He said it's supposed to be a house of prayer. He said, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. But when he went into the temple, he said, but what you've done, you've turned it into a den of thieves. In other words, what he said, you've taken the glory of God and you've trans, uh, you, you just trashed it and you've transformed the house of God, the temple, into this place where the work, it looks more like the world, the marketplace, than it does. Dude, does that sound like the modern day church or what? That our services, you know, I, I'm telling you, you, you guys don't study this, but I do all the time because this is my craft, this is my career. I, I am a, a professional clergy. So I study and I read and I have lots of, uh, you know, you, you just expect that. Doctors read doctor journals. Counselors read counselor journals. Pastors read pastor stuff. 
And I cannot tell you how many things that are out there that are trying to teach our pastors business principles when it comes to uh, operating a church. Like we're supposed to, in, our, in the way we treat people, uh, you know, take on the business principles of everything from the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, uh, which you, you can learn some great stuff from that, to Chick-fil-A, which you can learn some great stuff from that. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, although all those things are great, anything that is a house of God that does not have a house, that cannot be called a house of prayer or a foundation of prayer, it's a farce. It's a farce. It is not the house of God because prayer is community with God. Prayer, if we can go back to the word koinonia, community, prayer is koinonia with God. It's just conversation with him. It's just relationship with him. And we should be able, like, I'm going to tell you, I, Throughout church and throughout my upbringing in ministry, there have been different things that I'm like, yeah, we don't do that very much. Like, we don't pray. I mean, we do pray, but we don't do what I call those uh, little emergency prayers. Um, like, God, bless our service today, and we just pray, you know, like, we do pray prayers for our service and all of those, but I'm telling you, I've been in places Listen, I don't have to think this happens. I know it happens because I've served in places where that happened, where nobody prayed any except those little popcorn emergency prayers. And I'm like, man, God is not going to honor that. God, God, he might. He can, but I'm just telling you, the time to get prepared for what just happened up here is not 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes before we, we began today. The time for any ministry really in our house is, is, is not the, the gathering which every week we call rally, where we rally all of our team members together. And yes, we do focus. What's our focus for the day? What's God speaking to the house today? But, but hopefully that's not the only time that we are thinking about our ministry and destiny. And if it is, stop that. Can I just encourage you to take it to a, ramp it up to another level because God works through relationship. Remember, it's not an event, it's a lifestyle. So you don't have to set a time on, you know, Monday night at 6.30 and I'm gonna pray for three hours for my first impressions ministry or my children's ministry or whatever. It's constantly on your mind. That's why uh, one of, one of my, these great, uh, preachers of the faith. His name's Loran Livingston, and I've always looked up to him. Just an incredible man of God, incredible preacher. Uh, he's been at, at his church, Central Church of God in Charlotte, for probably going on 40 years as the pastor of that great church. And I listened to him one time, and there was somebody in the crowd. He was mentoring some of us, and somebody in the crowd says, when, when do you work on your message and I, I love this guy. He's like, I'm working on my message right now. Because you get it. You look like you don't get it. But he's like, I'm working on my message right now. What you're trying to do is get into a formula. And it's like, you know, relationship with God is not a formula. Like right now, 
Right now, the Lord is speaking some things to be about my message Sunday is what he was saying. He's like, I've heard you guys say some things and it lines up with what I'm speaking to my church on on Sunday. So he's like, I'm preparing right now. Prayer is the same way. You know, you're praying all the time, constantly. Jesus said, pray always. Paul comes behind him and says, pray without ceasing. And so Jesus demanded that the house of God be a house of prayer. And Jesus, like I just said, said, pray continually. Always, he always lives to make intercession for us. So not only does he say we should pray continually, he's praying continually. Remember earlier in the message, I said, you know, he didn't just pray for us while he was on the earth. He is praying for you and me right now. Why does he have to do that? Why does he have? Because there's a, a, a devil that hates you. John 10, 10 says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He has weapons formed against you, waged against you. And the enemy is constantly, he's called the accuser of the brotherhood, the brethren, the brothers, the saints. So he's constantly accusing me and you day and night before the throne of God. He's, he's just that irritating like tattletale. And Jesus, Jesus is always with the Father and his role in heaven is to say, remember now you're looking at him through me. And he's like, just look at him through me, God, Father. Just look at him through me. And Jesus looks at you and me through Jesus. He looks at, at us through the redemptive cross. And every time, he is constantly interceding. So when you think you've failed, when you think you've screwed up, when you think that you're not worthy, when you think that, you know, there's no hope for you, when you think that, you know, yeah, this, this I'm, I'm done and this is it and I'm giving in, Remember, Jesus is constantly praying for you. I, really, I, I want you to make yourself say it with me. Jesus is constantly praying for me. Now say it like you're not just repeating it because I told you to. And say it like, whoa, Jesus is constantly praying for me. When I felt like giving up, Jesus is praying for me. When I felt like, why am I doing this anymore? Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for me. He's encouraging me. His spirit is encouraging me. And look at this. I want you to look at Luke 11 and 1. I'm going to try to get us into uh, Matthew chapter 6 here. Luke chapter 1 and the verses following it are the same instance as what I'm fixing to get you to turn to in Matthew chapter 6. But Luke chapter uh, 11 says it a little bit differently. Well, Pastor Rife, why does the Bible uh, say that, you know, different things in different places? Because different people wrote them. Just like if you saw it and you gave a testament, a testimony you would, you would use different words. We would use a lot of the same words. We'd have a lot of the same things in our story. But I might leave out a few aspects. I might even highlight some things that were more important uh, to me. Like Dulcie was sharing her story this morning. And she, I didn't think she was going to highlight the three thing. You know, like it was, it's dangerous cancer. That wasn't like just, you know, something not serious. I wouldn't have left that out of my story. She didn't either. But you get what I'm saying? 
And so Luke chapter 11, uh, Matthew doesn't say this verse. So I wanted to read this from Luke first and then jump over to Matthew chapter 6. Luke says, once Jesus, uh, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They saw Jesus praying. They're like, I, I, I know what he's doing, but I've never seen it like that before. Why? How I, we know that because they're like, teach us how you to do it, what, what you're doing. Because we, we don't know how to do that. Teach us how, how you do it. And then jump over to Matthew chapter 6. Again, same story, just two different uh, uh, accounts of it. In Matthew chapter 6, jump down to verse 5. Right after the disciple said, teach us how to pray, Jesus dives in. And at verse 5, he says this. He says, all right, so look, if you want to know how to pray, verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. And then he says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And he goes on to say, and when you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers, in other words, pagans, these are people who are not believers in Christ or Jehovah. When you pray, don't babble on like those people. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. And then he goes on to say, this is how I want you to pray. Let me stop real quick. How did... Do you remember back in the message I said you can tell a lot about people by the way they pray? This is what Jesus, he could tell a lot about people. He could tell a lot about the Pharisees. Because like, where are you praying? You are praying out on the street corner? I'm just telling you, there's a time for street corner preaching and there's a time when street corner preaching is stupid. If you got a if you got an audience around you, okay, somebody's listening to you. But if you are out on a street corner and you standing on a box or something, and there are cars whizzing past you at sixty miles an hour, and ain't nobody listening to you, you know what you are? You religious. You religious. You religious. Go serve somebody. Go do something in private. And when God gives you an audience, then speak up for him. Ooh, Pastor Rife, that's so tough. I'm just saying what Jesus is saying right here. Where do you think he learned that from? Mabel didn't tell him. Vernon didn't, you know, discuss it with him. No, he as a little child saw this happening as he was growing up in Jerusalem. And they would be out on the street corner and they would be just making this big pretense and all of this. And it's like, whoa, surely they're spiritual. Jesus said, I'm telling you, what they want is self-glorification. And believe me, they got it. And that's all they're getting. He's like, also, don't be like the, the pagans. You know, if you pray like this, can I just encourage you to grow beyond it? Don't, don't pray like this. 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus, God, we just come to you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus today, Jesus. We come to you in Jesus' name. And Jesus, by the power in your mighty name, Jesus. Now, y'all looking at me like you ain't ever heard anybody pray like that. Don't be looking at me in line. I know you have. I know you have. That's a person that one of two things. They either have a religious spirit or they have not. They're, they're super elementary in their understanding of prayer. My dad used to pray that way. And I knew his heart was in the right place. He was just uneducated in prayer. He was not learned, he didn't, had not learned to go to a different place in prayer. Jesus says, don't do that over and over. Don't, don't, Lord, I need you to help me with my house payment, Lord. Lord, you know, I need you to help me with my house payment, Lord. I need you to help me with the interest on that house payment, Lord. Lord, I need you to help me make this month's rent. Enough, enough. He knows that. Like, bring your need to him, confess your need to him, and then trust the Lord over that. And then he gets down to this part. He says, this is how I want you to pray he says in verse nine, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then he goes on to say that if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive uh, you. But if you don't and you refuse, in other words, if you're out there harboring bitterness, I'm telling you, your prayers are damned up. Can I say it again? If you are out there and you are harboring bitterness, against anybody, even people you don't know, people groups, homosexuals, transgenders, people of a different race, people of a different uh, religion. If you harbor that kind of bitterness, that is not, you're damning up the blessing that God is wanting to get to you. You're damning up, you're putting a blockage. It's like your heart, you got, got arteries in there. We don't think about that. We have to walk in love. Doesn't mean we have to agree with them. We have to walk in love. And when we operate in the law of love, that's what looses the blessing of God in our lives. And then I'll get into this more a little bit later. And he says, but when you fast, don't make obvious. And he goes into some of the same things about prayer. Prayer, people do things to draw attention to themselves. Fasting, people will do things that will draw attention to, the, to themselves. He says, don't do that. And in this, I want you to understand, there are a few things that Jesus did that he teaches us to pray this way. So it's not a formula. This is not something that it's like, okay, did this check, did this check, did this check, did this check. It's not that. It's just that Jesus is saying, I want you to pray this way. And he said, this is a model like it's a guideline how to pray. But what people have taken, they've used that as a formula. You've seen it on movies, the, the planes crashing. And what do people do? You know, they ain't in Catholic and they're doing this stuff. And they're like, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, they're trying to get that prayer out before the plane crashes or whatever. And it's like, that is not what he meant. He's like, I'm just giving you a guideline 
This is how you should pray. And these are the things that should be in your prayer. And he's, first of all, praise. Man, I'm telling you what, praise is prayer. Praise equal prayer. Just like loving others equals loving God. It blows my mind. Loving others. If I just love others, I'm loving God. If I praise, I've prayed. Like part of praise, God, I just thank you, Jesus, for the goodness that you've shown me and my family. I thank you, Lord, for God did some things in my family recently. I don't want to tell you about them because they're a little private for some of my family members, but I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that you did that because it could have turned out so bad. Thank you, God, that you answered a prayer that I pray all the time for them, giving him praise. He said, our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name, giving him praise and glory. He says, repent, Now understand this, repent does not mean to ask for forgiveness. The time when you ask for forgiveness is when you're a sinner and you're becoming a saint. This will blow some people's theology right here. I did this for years. I felt like I've got to to, uh, confess or or, uh, not confess. I felt like I had to ask forgiveness on a regular basis. Listen. He who is in Christ, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. I don't have to ask for forgiveness over and over. What I do, what God is interested in is repentance. When we come to him, he says, forgive us our sins. Yes, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins when, you know, we are sinners. But as we are walking in the Lord, we are like, God, I change my heart. I bring myself into alignment with your holy word. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have talked that way. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have even been in that place, God. Thank you for delivering me from that evil. And God, I'm gonna not do that anymore. I'm not gonna say that word anymore. I'm not gonna speak that way anymore. I'm not gonna watch that or do this or go there anymore. I'm going to change my behavior. That's what God is looking for. See, we've dumbed it down to this uh to this cheap grace where it's like, I can do whatever I want to and I just go to the Lord and and seek forgiveness. No, you seek forgiveness when you are a sinner and you are becoming a saint. But once you are a saint, you don't continue to seek forgiveness for sins that you commit. You change behavior. It's called sanctification. It's It's called make yourself holy as he's holy. So he says, repent is part of that. And then, Ask, he says, give us this day our, our daily bread. Like ask the Lord for your needs. The scripture says, cast your cares on him. Confess what it is that you need to him. Bring your needs to him. Ask, we call that supplication. Bring your needs to him. Cast your cares on him because God cares for us. And we don't have to keep begging him over and over and over. And can I tell you, when it comes to prayer, you got something, Lord, I've already asked you to heal the cancer. I've already asked you to heal the cancer. Tomorrow, I'm not gonna wake up and say, God, I hope you heal me of this cancer. God, I please heal me of this cancer. No, once you pray that prayer, you move on and you, you move into a state of confession and declaration, speaking life over your situation. And you say, God, I thank you that I am healed. 
I thank you, Lord, that even though there's cancer in my body, the doctor has told me it's there, the MRI has told me it's there. God, I thank you that that is not my inheritance. I thank you, Lord, that you took healing, all of the atonement of my healing for you on the cross. I thank you, God, that you provided it for me, God. I see myself healed. This is not how I'm going to, my life is going to end or whatever your situation may be. It could be any number of situations, but bring your situation to the Lord and ask him to do it but we are not beggars we're not paupers we are princes we are heirs we are princesses we are heirs joint heirs with christ heirs don't beg heirs know what their inheritance is they know what's afforded to them by their father they know what is at their disposal what resources so i want to encourage you if we're going to be like jesus if we're going to reflect his image stop asking jesus for things that he's already promised you and has already you know you've taken it it's before him it's on his desk if i can just use my wife as an example this is probably going to be a, a, a little bit of a negative but humorous example. She'll tell me stuff, and she'll tell me a dozen times. And, you know, and I'm sure there's a funny meme out there. Y'all women are going to send me after church about it. But, you know, but she'll, she'll write me post-it notes. I'll, I mean, if she really gets serious about it, she'll, she'll put one on my mirror in my bathroom I mean it's like boom right there uh in my underwear drawer I mean it's just like you just find these reminders everywhere we don't have to do that with Jesus because I'm like I'm gonna get to it I'm gonna get to it I promise you I'm not gonna let you down I will get to it it might not be when you want but I am gonna get to it that's how the Lord is he's going to get to it he's going to get to it I promise you and look at this he says Yield. Don't yield to temptation, but yield to God. There's times when, guys, you just have to go, I've done all I can do, because the scripture says this in our weaknesses when he is made strong. Think about it. The scripture doesn't say this, but you can apply it the, logically, you can apply the principle. If God is made strong in my weakness, then in my weakness, God is made, or, or sorry, in my strength, God is made, let me say it again. If in my weakness, God is made strong, that's what the Bible says, in our weakness, he is made strong. So if I invert that, in my strength, when I'm trying to do it on my own, in my own way, in my own wisdom, in my own humanity, then God is made weak. God can't work when you keep trying to work it out yourself. There comes a time when you go, God, I have done all that I can do. And if you want me to do more, tell me, but I release it into your hands. This is something that the Lord knew very well. This is one of the last things that I'll share with you. Jesus knows that God's will is the ultimate and perfect answer to your prayers. He knows that God's will is the ultimate answer, not your will, but God's will. When he said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will, Listen, can I tell you, your will is not always the best thing for your life. 
I am so glad that Jesus, in his sovereignty, his goodness, his wisdom, has not answered some of the things I asked him for. I'm I'm so grateful that he didn't let some of the things happen that I wanted to happen in my life. I'm so glad that God did not let me get connected to some folks that I was trying to connect with. I'm so glad. I was not happy. I was ticked off with God at the time. I felt disappointed. I felt like he let me down, but he didn't. He just said, I know what's best for you, and that ain't my best for you. So you can be mad. You can go off and pout. You'll get over it. Y'all, people with kids know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because our relationship with our kids mimics the relationship of us with the father. Yeah, you can pout, you can go on, you can kick the door, you can say you hate me. How many of y'all as kids went to y'all's bedroom door? Now, I know y'all wasn't ratchet and raunchy as I was. I'd go to my bedroom door and I would say, I hate you. <laughs> I didn't hate them. I love my mom and daddy. You know, God knows we get ticked off. God knows we get upset with him. But he loves us so much that he will let us get upset with him. He'll let us be upset. Because he's like, I know you don't mean that. As a matter of fact, Jesus is like, they don't mean that. They just talking. You know, he's always had that attitude. Holy Spirit, you need to go work on him. He's so loving like that. And so how can we activate the message? Then start, start to pray that way. Like if you don't do that, it's like start to pray that way. Like don't minimize your prayer, uh, your life of prayer. Because remember, you don't have a prayer life. You got a lifestyle of prayer. So don't minimize your lifestyle of prayer to just asking for things. I love it when my kids just want to talk to me for me. You know, we all go through that, that phase, mostly when they're in college or younger. And they're like, Dad, I, man, Savannah, I could hear her say, Daddy, what do you want? That's an asking prayer. Seemed like she was in the asking phase for such a long time. But I love it. I love it when my kids just want to talk to me. Catch me up on what's been happening in their life. Tell me something that they love about me. I love that. And the Father loves us too, like that. And then this is the last thing. I'd love for you guys to join us in 21 days of fasting, which will begin tomorrow if you want to do it with us. So it's 21 days of fasting from the 10th to the 30th. You can fast however you want. And if you don't know how to fast, on our website at dci.life, there's a lot of resources that'll tell you how to fast, what kind of fast. Um, It'll give you some different ways and considerations of how to fast for you. If you've never fasted before, uh, you tomorrow you don't need to go well I'm not eating any food for the next 
21 days and I'm starting tomorrow. Listen, I'm just going to tell you by 10 a.m., your body's going to be saying, feed me. Like, that's not how you do that. That's not how you do that. And I don't have time today to tell you how to do that. There's a way to fast successfully. And if you just go to dci.life, there's some resources there on our website that will help you uh, to know how to fast. People didn't tell me this stuff growing up. They didn't. But in Matthew chapter 6, you know, they only asked Jesus how to pray. But he taught them three things, how to give, how to pray, and how to fast. And so nobody taught me these things. So I had to learn, and I was very unsuccessful with uh, praying and fasting for a long time. So if you want to join us, you can join us one day, two days, three days, 21 days, one day a week, uh, one meal a day, fast your social media, do you know, whatever. But here's the deal. You don't take something away without replacing it with some God time. So any, anything that you give up that you don't replace it with something spiritual, you're just getting off of social media, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Or you're just, you're on a diet. You know, replace it with some time with God and just use that little guideline of the Lord's prayer, which prayer or, or praise, repentance, asking and yielding to God and saying, God, I give it to you. All right. It's, it's, it's really very, very simple. And I'm going to be sending out once a day to everybody who's uh, on our email list. I'm going to be sending out once a day for the next 21 days. You know, I don't send you stuff all the time like that, but for the next 21 days, I'm going to be sending you some prayer points for fasting for our church. And I'd love for you during your prayer time, your fasting time, that you would come into alignment with me on these things for our church.